Welcome back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 19, Legend Daddy. And next to me is Legend Wife, Jen, and co-podcaster, the Runkle. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, We're back from our long holiday hiatus, so I'm sorry if you missed us. We been traveling up to see Jen's family in Erie, where we've been back a few days, and getting ready to go back to work and school tomorrow. It's all over. It's been a glorious break. I haven't worked since... Last day of work was December 13th, so it's been a nice long break for me. So, going in optimistic. 2024. No more, no more long nights at work, I'm sure. No more. Zero long nights in 2024. We don't have much else to share. Not much has been going on in our lives, has it? No, not really. Just regular stuff. But I enjoyed Legend Daddy. I'm glad this is what we're coming back with. I found it very, like, subpar. I mean, I liked the end with Barney and his dad, but everything else was kind of blah to me. There were enough things to make me laugh in it, to keep it humming along, and then the emotional points I thought were handled very well. I thought mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris did a great job with some of the scenes and his acting. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty satisfied with this. Yeah, I think this is probably, like, the second most emotional episode, maybe, like, compared to, you know, the one where Marshall's dad dies. But just, yeah, seeing that vulnerability and that hurt from Barney, like, always kind of tugs at me. But I didn't think the rest of it was, like, super, super funny. Like, I think the the blind spot stuff was all really weak. I, I really liked the blind stuff. Oh, the blind really? spot stuff, yeah. That was that was one of the high points for me. The I thought they made some good choices with it. The Chameleon, we always yeah, go like, back and laugh about. That one's good. That Robin didn't think that the North Pole was a real place. That almost seems like something... Like actually, none of these, except for the aiming thing with Lily, seem realistic to a person that we would know. That he <laughs> wouldn't know Chameleon was pronounced Chameleon, especially since he went to like just outside of an Ivy League school. Right. But... I, I bet they got that from somebody they oh, knew. Yeah. That, that that was a little too specific to that for them to have just made that up. Well, Tyler does that all the time. Like we'll be reading something together, and he'll pronounce something, and I'll like correct him if needed, and he'll be like, "No, I like to say it this way. This is the way <laughs> I've been saying it in my head." <laughs> He's very stubborn. Yeah. And then the Robin stuff almost seemed plausible that someone might think the North Pole is, but I, the way they handled that with her, I thought was really good. And then the Lily stuff was just. Fun to watch. It was good. Oh, see, I thought that was really dumb. <laughs> I liked it. Like it was that's so great. That was so unrealistic. Like nobody's gonna throw nobody's gonna throw a bottle of beer like that. Nobody's gonna throw keys. <laughs> Maybe not, but I still thought it was funny. Okay. And I'm not the only one who thought that. After you'll see after I read my read the emails. Okay. Which will mean you were wrong. <laughs> yes, opinion wrong. Okay. Well, let's jump into it. We have a few emails, but we can handle them at the end because they're all about this episode. Okie doke. All right. Ted starts us off as the narrator, talking about how they are back at the house that he bought before he met their mother. So we're in the house. Ted's doing a little tour of where he's going to put things. It does look like some work's already been done on the house. Yeah, I saw some like paint samples on the wall. 
Outside, he wants to put up a basketball hoop for the kids, so put a pin in that. Barney goes into this speech about how you know a certain room is his seduction lounge, and yeah, that, that I could have skipped through all that. that yeah, instead of a just trying too hard. Yeah, instead of a basketball hoop, it should be a stripper pole. It just typical Barney stuff. Marshall invites Barney and the rest to go outside for a second, and when they get outside, there is an intervention sign. Uh, Why Bar- it had to be outside is unclear. Yeah, that, that, I hadn't thought about that part They could have it. just put it in <laughs> that main room and done it there. True. I, could it be just so that Lily could throw keys into a bush? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so Barney thinks this isn't an intervention for Ted, but then they turn that back around, and the intervention is actually for Barney. Why does Barney need an, uh, an intervention? It all started a few nights earlier. So we're at Barney's apartment a few nights earlier. The Barney's giant TV's broken, and it's March Madness. They wanted to watch it at his house, I guess. Not the giant TV. Yeah, and then Ted says that if you can grab him a screwdriver. I have hard, a very difficult time believing Ted knows how to fix a TV, starting with a screwdriver. <laughs> I honestly didn't think about that. <laughs> But obviously, this is just a setup to get us to the dad right. thing. Um, Barney calls up Louise, his superintendent. Which apparently is his go-to if he ever needs anything done. Yeah, to Barney says that the one thing about him and tools is that he only has one and it's his penis. So th- this was going to be my least favorite line. And Fair. I'm not going to try putting it. It wasn't horrible until he said it. And I'm not going to try and put it in the TV again. Yeah. That was not good. Yeah, that was real weak. That I can't believe that made it. Someone knocks on the door. They think it's Luis, but it's actually John Lithgow. Yeah. Jen, what's your relationship with John Lithgow? Um. So I think the first thing that comes to mind, like the first time I saw him, was Third Rock from the Sun. Which was probably midway through his career. Okay. His heaviest work was in the seventies and eighties. Okay, and then I obviously know him from Dexter as the Trinity Killer, and yeah, this. <laughs> I'm trying to think, is there anything else? I sort of That's... grew up on John Lethgow, The World okay. According to Garp. Never seen it. Harry and the Hendersons. Haven't seen that since I was a kid. Then he was a bad guy a couple times, once in Cliffhanger, a second time in Ricochet, which was a very early... Denzel Washington movie. Haven't heard of either of those. You never heard of Cliffhanger? No. Uh, it was a big hit in the 80s starring Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Hmm. I, I think it was a big hit. And then, yeah, Third, Third Rock from the Sun. He was also in uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, where he plays the guy on the plane that sees the... Oh, the what was it called? Wing. Yeah, it wasn't a guy on a wing. It was... Uh, or the lady on the wing or whatever. <laughs> I, there's been so many parodies. Yeah, of it. Like, the lady, I don't even the lady know on the wing was bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. She's churning butter. <laughs> well, that's what that is. So, is the Lithgow on the original one, or was that even a remake of something? That was a remake. So, okay. the I don't know what the Twilight Zone the anymore. movie, which was early to mid '80s. It was they redid a few of the Twilight Zone episodes into sort of skits, not skits. Is that the one where like people died because of a helicopter. Did you ever hear that? Story? Yeah, I didn't, the the star of one of the vignettes died in a and two kids. Oh, was it two kids also? Yeah, like two of the local kids. Like it's a fucked up story. 
Yeah, it's a Twilight Zone. The movie's good. They have really good about four or five vignettes in it. One of them is the one on the plane. John Lithgow is the one on the plane. He sees the gremlin. It's a gremlin, not from the movie Gremlins. Oh. This is before the movie Gremlins, but they, I think they referred to it as a gremlin. Okay. Maybe the script refer. I don't, I don't know. Somehow we just knew it was a gremlin, or that's that's sort of the the folklore that gremlins okay. fly out in the night and try and tear up airplanes. Oh no. So he sees it on the plane. No one else sees it. He finally wrestles a, a gun from security on the plane, shoots out the window, and like and then almost, everyone dies. No, no, <laughs> almost every he like flies halfway out the window. People are holding on to him. He's trying to shoot at the gremlin. The gremlin grabs the gun and like breaks it in front of him, and then like grabs his face and squeezes it, and then just waves no and flies off. Oh my god! The 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 plane makes it down. So at any rate. That was based off of an earlier Twilight Zone episode that was actually starring William Shatner in that same role. Oh, okay. So in Third Rock from the Sun, I told you about this, how because they are aliens living on Earth, they have at some point the person in charge of their mission come to visit them on Earth. And that person's played by William Shatner. And they're picking him up at the airport, and they're like, How's your, how was your flight? And he goes, it was horrible. I saw something on the wing of the, the airplane. And then John Lithgow's character goes, that happened to me once. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'd have to really kind of know that history to get that joke at all. But if you get it, you get it. Right. At any rate. So, yeah, I, I kind of grew up with a lot of different movies and stuff from John Lithgow. He's Was he just on 30 Rock? I feel like we just saw him in something where he was, like, wandering around, like, couldn't he, find the exit to something. No, he was on 30 Rock when... So he was on 30 Rock when Jack, Alec Baldwin's character, tries to help Frank Rossitano become a, go to law school again, oh, become a lawyer. yeah, 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 that's right. And then has to scare him away from it because... Because <laughs> he saw Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, because he saw Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> and then at some point, Liz then runs into John Lithgow on the elevator. And because she ran into him, she makes a decision for herself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she goes, damn you, John Lithgow. Because she's referring to Harry and the Hendersons. And when she leaves, John Lithgow goes, well, she must have just watched Garp. Well, according to Garp. <laughs> That's right. Where John Lithgow plays a, you know, a big transitioning former pro football player who's okay. transitioning to be a woman. Oh, I did not know that's what that movie was about. Well, that's not what it's about, but that's what oh. his character's going through in it. Side character. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, interesting choice to play Barney's dad. I, there's probably a million people that would fit better, but as kind of the lame guy yeah. who tries a couple times to be cool but just can't pull it off, I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with John Lithgow. Yeah, solid choice. I wonder if there, there's anywhere, like, who other people in consideration were. Could have been interesting. Should we do a... a <laughs> Recasting couch right. for this one. Is there anyone you could think of that you thought would have been a better? Like if they were going to go with a cool person, right. could be Barney's dad. That would be interesting to see who they could pick for that. But you know that wasn't the way they went. If they did, I'm thinking so somebody that would have been cool in like the '70s and early Bob Barker. Oh, no, wait, Bob Barker can't be it. Yeah, who who's a cool guy from the '80s? Steve McQueen, is that a guy? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, but he was dead a long time before this episode was shot. Oh. He died I just like know he was supposed to later. be cool. He died in very early 80s, early 70s even. 
maybe. Bruce Lee. Oh no, he died too. <laughs> I was just gonna say someone else. James who was Dean. Dead. Damn it! I if had, he had somebody lived. else. Ah, you wrecked it. <laughs> Ted McGinley, the guy that came in and made so many shows jump the shark. Happy Days, Ted Married with Children. But if they were going to stick with this theme, if they weren't going to go with John Lithgow, uh, you know, you could almost go with a like a maybe a Jim Belushi or or a Tim Allen, maybe. Now that being said, I, I'm not sure anybody else could have played this character better. But we shall continue. Okay, so Jerry is his father's name. He got his, he got Barney's letter. And now we know it's Stag because Barney goes dad. We cut to Ted's apartment. Yeah, I guess everybody left. <laughs> gave him some space. Yeah, and Ted's saying he feels bad for making fun of the tool thing because Barney didn't have a dad there to teach him right. all that stuff. And Robin mentions that you know everyone has some glaring gap in knowledge. Ted doesn't think he does. And Robin in- in- initiates a flashback of Ted <laughs> teaching his class... And he's talking about Daniel Burnham was an architect whose ever-shifting style and aesthetic made him a true architectural chameleon. No, chameleon. Oh, yeah, chameleon. <laughs> Thank you. And then he... And he says it, like, two or three more times, and then one of the students raises her, their hand and is like, don't you mean chameleon? <laughs> yeah, the student who's always there, and we always forget her name. Betty. Oh, Betty, that's right, he calls her that. It's funny that he calls her Betty, but the script we're looking at that we're working off of says student. Right. They couldn't have used Betty there. And so he's, Betty, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Chameleon. Chameleon. So, <laughs> and class. Yeah, everyone's shaking their heads. Their head. like, class dismissed. No homework for a while. <laughs> that was good. Ted says that he learned that word by reading it. That's why he's always pronounced it that way. <laughs> Robin. Ted, that wasn't easy. It took a lot of Character. <laughs> So now Ted's going to go after Robin, and he flashes back to a date that was Rob, Robin was on at McLaren's. Some guy is going away on a trip for work. He's a marine biologist, and he's going to go to the North Pole for the next three months. Robin... Didn't we... Was this a storyline in How I Met Your Father? Where did that guy go? Was he going to the He South went Pole? to New Zealand. Oh, he went to New Zealand. Okay. Either that or Australia, one of the two. Oh, okay. It wasn't one of the... No, it was one of the poles. <laughs> okay. Robin says, seriously? He was a marine North- biologist too, wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. Oh, interesting. Robin doesn't think the North Pole is a real place. <laughs> so she goes on and on, like, accusing him of making something up to right. break up with her. She thinks he's pulling a Barney here. Yeah, so she names a bunch of other fictional things that she wants to suggest that he could throw in there too. And he's like, Robin, the North Pole's a real place. You know that, right? <laughs> I like the pizza line. <laughs> so you want to get pizza later? I think we should break up. <laughs> so you want to get some pizza? Robin has a strange line after the end of the flashback. I still think about him in the shower. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> this episode's weird. It's not that good. <laughs> Disagree. Well, it's not that good, but we'll get to my ranking later. It did make the top 100. Oh. We're at McLaren's. So. Yeah, Barney walks in. Oh, sorry, there are still at Ted's. Barney walks in. They want to know how things went with his dad. Then the flashback goes to McLaren's. 
in this flashback, we know we now know, of course, it's all fake. But they they are ordering the same drink. Um, Jerry compliments Barney on his tie, knows that it's Italian silk. But based on the way Jerry's dressed, this seems implausible already. <laughs> right. He also doesn't seem like a Glenn McKenna kind of guy. But yeah, and, so basically this is like the idealized version of what Barney would want from his dad meeting him for you know the first time in 30 years or whatever. Right. Barney wants to know if he's still a roadie. This version of Jerry claims that he's been managing tours after someone's arm got chopped off or something. Yeah, they were bus surfing. And then... Barney comes back to the group saying there's one question that he had been dying to ask him, which Lily thinks is, why did you abandon me? But no, at Barney, it's, do you get laid a lot? Big time, observe. And then this Jerry smoothly approaches a woman at the bar. She writes down a phone number. And Barney says, oh, my God, that, that took five seconds. Oh, was it that long? Life's too short for chatty chicks. Which is, I kind of like that line. <laughs> And here's where Barney coins the legend daddy. And Jerry says he's going to, or this version of Jerry says he's going to sit in tomorrow with Bon Jovi, invites Barney to go along. So when he gets back to the group, although they don't disbelieve his story, they want him to be careful. This guy sounds kind of flaky, especially this version of him. Uh, Robin warns him too, and Barney goes, first of all, Robin, my dad could beat up your dad. (laughs) That's still a thing you could say. I took a lot of pride in my, of pride in my dad being a karate instructor mm-hmm. when I was a kid. There you go. I was pretty sure he could beat people up. <laughs> Do you think Tyler's out there on the playground? My dad knows Krav Maga. Maybe. We're back at the bar. Ted's hoping that Barney's dad isn't just pretending to be something he's not, which is strange that he brought that up because they didn't give any sense of disbelief. Well, Barney was telling things. Well, and somebody had said that. Yeah, it sounds like he might just be telling you what you want to hear. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of missed that line. <laughs> Lily goes, yeah, that would make Jerry a real chameleon. <laughs> Ted points out that Lily has gaps, too, and the flashback is Marshall asking Lily to toss him a beer. She just chucks it against a wall, and it breaks. Now, if he's concerned about it. Yeah, now, if this is a known thing about her, why would he ask her to... Toss him anything. Right. Plus, you don't toss someone a beer. Exactly. And she just, like, sits down like that's a normal thing to do. So, apparently, her thing is she has terrible aim. As they're at the bar, Barney's dad comes in. And Jerry updates them on the truth that Barney hasn't reached out to him or returned his call in a few days. He's not a tour manager. He's a driving instructor up in White Plains. And Lily questions, didn't you guys have a great night together? Jerry said, that's not what happened. And then we get the flashback. The real truth. Uh, Jerry doesn't order the same alcoholic drink as Barney. He orders a milk skim. (laughs) He was doing acid. He had a lot of acid last night. Um, A lot of chili dogs. Four Tums. Yeah. Um, he switched lanes years ago. He's a driving instructor. Get it? Get it. <laughs> Barney's confused. When he was a kid, Jerry was a total badass. But Jerry's rock bottom was when Barney's mom said that he couldn't see Barney anymore. And that's when he started to change. 
So that's, you know, flashback. So this is weird to me. So if, like, that was his rock bottom, presumably that's when he starts to improve himself. So, like, why wouldn't he then have just gone back to Loretta and been like, hey, yo, you were right, like, I'm sober, I'm this, Well, that's, I'm this, I'm that's that. Barney's big complaint. What the hell? Yeah. Why didn't you comply me? And, and yeah. Jerry admits he was wrong. He was... We don't really hear why. Yeah. And so that's where, I'd like, I, I think if they left that line out, then it makes more sense. They're like, okay, he still did this for a few more years, and then by the time he got himself together, it, yeah, it was so many years later, and he felt weird about it, and he just, yeah, didn't end up doing it. But we don't know how long this went on, so this could have gone further into... It could have been years into Barney's life, although... Do we get the sense that when Barney knocked down the blue whale that either they said it or I got the sense that Barney wasn't allowed to see him anymore after that? Yeah, I think that was it. So, yeah, if it was that young, what was he, nine at the time or something? Maybe younger? Yeah, I have six in my head, but maybe he was a little older than that. At any rate, yeah, the, it's it's unexplainable, but all that Jerry could do at this point is apologize for it, right. which he does... And Barney doesn't acknowledge, just wants to know if he bangs Stevie Nicks. Right. So Jerry explains Barney wasn't interested in his apology, just wanted him to be cool. And then Jerry's not proud of it, but he started bragging. (laughs) Um, Bragging is something else. Yeah, he's published two nonfiction books about asparagus and one fiction. (laughs) I like that detail. He invented the word fergling and... More more stuff like that. Yeah, just like one-offs of him trying to tell anecdotes that Barney is not interested in. Yeah, apparently Jerry recognized that Barney just wanted him to be this ladies' man, so he sees a... We revisit the pickup scene at the bar where Jerry just approaches the woman and asks her to write down any seven numbers to impress his son. And she's a good sport and does it. Barney's excited about this. He thinks that they could be a good pickup team, but Jerry then reveals that he has a family and two kids. He has a daughter, Carly. She's in college. Put a pin in that, because we'll meet Carly later. And his son, JJ. And he wants, you know, he wants Barney to come have dinner with them and meet everybody. Right. So now we're back at the intervention at Ted's house. Now, did you notice that when Jerry, or yeah, when Jerry was telling the story, he was drinking another glass of milk? Like, as he's talking to the girl. Oh, 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 oh. no, I did notice that. (laughs) That was a nice touch. So the group, Lily and the group, think that he should give him another chance. He just lives 10 minutes away. He should go to that dinner, essentially. Marshall's pretty insistent. You're going to have dinner with him tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Barney says, guys, get it through your heads. I'm never going to talk to my dad again. And then we get a great line from Marshall. Yeah. No, Barney, I'm never going to talk to my dad again. But your dad is alive, and he lives just down the road, which convinces Barney. Yeah, that's a little touching moment from Marshall. Yeah. Um, Marshall tells Lily to throw the keys so Barney can drive. Oh, no, I guess Marshall's going to drive them. And then, yeah, she just throws them into the bushes. Again, I liked it. Again, I did not. We're at Jerry's house. And Cheryl, Jerry's wife, opens the door to Barney. And it's Cheryl's played by Nancy Travis. Do you have any history with Nancy Travis? I do not. So she was actually a pretty successful actress in the 80s uh, and a little bit into the 90s, too. She, I, I probably know her best from So I Married an Axe Murderer. You've seen that movie, right? Yes. Yeah, she's the girlfriend in that. Mm, okay. 
She's the main female character in that. She was in a, a pretty decent movie called The Vanishing, which was, I think, Sandra Bullock's first movie. Okay. She was in Chaplin. She was in Eternal Affairs, Married to the Mob. And because my grandma was costume designer on Married to the Mob, I am two degrees of separation. Or is that one degree of separation? Or is, if you know the person, is that one degree? I'm one or two degrees, either way. <laughs> you have some number of degrees, which puts you several degrees from NPH. And then she, either one or two roles in some of the 80, 90s and 2000s family sitcoms. She played the wife. I think she might be, what was, what's the last, what's the last Tim Allen TV show? Oh, that he had going on. I think she was his wife in that. Last Man Standing, maybe? Is that it? What's What's the one with Matt LeBlanc? Maybe that's that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, get those two mixed up. I feel like they have similar names, but since we've watched neither of them. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're both a little, not right-wingy, but they're both, like, you know, beloved by middle America. Okay. At any rate. Yeah, I can't think of what the name of the... That's bothering me. <laughs> she She tells... Barney, that she loves his suit. He says, I love your coat. She's like, oh, that's your coat, Barney. I just took it from you. Well, but he says that as he's, like, looking around, like, trying to find something to compliment. Yeah, he says, well, I, I do love it. It's a nice job covering that chair. <laughs> so, so this great. is the beginning of him being an ass. <laughs> yeah. We're in the we're, we're back to the car where Marshall, Lily, Robin, and I guess Ted are, are waiting for Barney. This is one of those weird situations where they're just going to sit outside and wait for him. Right. Like, what? <laughs> Why did they all go? I mean, I guess just to support Barney whenever it's done, but still weird. Marshall's got an idea for a trivia game. Robin, reindeer, real or fake? <laughs> She's not sure on that one. Well, she lands on fake. <laughs> uh, good thing I don't have any gaps in my knowledge, says Marshall. And then everyone agrees, but Marshall doesn't actually agree with that. He says that everyone's been treating him with kid gloves since his dad died. Right. He wants them to actually they deny like, it. act like his friends. <laughs> Robin argues, Robin, don't disagree with Marshall. <laughs> so Mar- Marshall first noticed it at the bar. We go to a flashback where he says, hey, Lily, can you get me a mojito? His voice goes up, and normally they would have given him shit about that. So then he started testing it. He starts saying things like the Phantom Menace has been the best Star Wars movie. Uh, no one disagrees with him. He comes in with a soul patch. <laughs> Everybody's Robin, on board. <laughs> Robin, righteous hair tab, brother. And then he went even further and walks into the bar with a possum in his arms. Now, you, you really laughed at this one, so I know you liked it. The delivery of this? This is Rex. He's a possum. I found him in the trash. He lives with us now. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the look of craziness in his eyes. Yeah, and li- Lily still goes along with it. Yeah, she claims to love him. Lily, we are living with a possum. Rex is violent <laughs> and he hates us. I can't believe he actually took it home. Like, he yeah. really, <laughs> really, <laughs> really went lean, all in on Really this. lean into the bit. Oh, my gosh. All right. We're back at Jerry's house. We're at dinner. Uh, Jerry's showing Barney a picture of those t- the two of them when he was a kid with ZZ Top. And JJ comes in, the son. It's, he's excited to meet Barney. And when, when Jerry, actually, before J.J. comes in, Jerry says, yeah, I used to love taking you backstage. You were the coolest little kid. And he touches his arm. And we see a turn in Barney at this point. 
where now he's bought into Jerry. Yeah. He's, he's accepting him on his terms. But then J.J. ruins it right. with his brattiness. No, just kidding. <laughs> By just existing. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Barney. It's nice to finally meet you. J.J., I'm talking to Dad right now. God! <laughs> and then he just starts to tear into J.J. But before we get there, we're back at the car. Marshall wants to know what his gaps are. And then, much like Jen, <laughs> Marshall can't wink. I can't even wink like... As much as he's winking. Like, I just can't do it. So close both eyes. Can you open one? Yes, I can open this. Wait. <laughs> can <laughs> they, I? they both opened. <laughs> this one. <laughs> but not the other one. Not the other one. Huh. I'm living, uh, Mariah can't do that either. I'm living with a bunch of dum-dums. <laughs> it's just some neural pathway that apparently I didn't develop or something. But, like, he seems like he can close his eye. He just can't do it well. But I can't. also can't, like, do a cool wink either. I think we're all better off for that. Yeah, probably. I don't really have a lot of reason to do it. Marshall can't swallow pills. Robin says that Marshall thinks John Kenny and Jack Kenny are the same person. Poor Robin. <laughs> Just striking out tonight. But we're back to the dinner, and Barney's bragging about how much money he makes. He how much money do you goes make, after JJ? JJ. <laughs> um, but JJ has a paper route. Good time to get into print media. Yeah, so Barney keeps slamming them. Um, Jerry keeps backing him up. Yeah, Jerry's going along with it, just trying to ingratiate himself. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then Cheryl starts to push back a little bit. When Barty finds out what J.J. stands for, Jerome Jr., he realizes that that kid's named after him. And then Barty storms out. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be a bit of a blow. Right. Um, they're back in the car. They, they're still naming a few weaker things that, that Marshall's not great at. We're, we're in front of Jerry's house now. Barney's standing on Jerry's car and trying to physically tear down the basketball hoop that's attached, fat, to, yeah, attached to the garage. the garage. Fun fact, apparently that set is from that 70s show. Huh. But yeah, he's literally just trying to yank it down, which clearly is not going to work. Jerry's confused about what's going on. Barney thinks that... He was robbed of having a childhood with a dad, so he's going to take the hoop with him. He wants to know why he should talk to Jerry. He's Jerry's lame, okay? You're just some lame suburban dad. And Jerry says, why does that make you so mad? And then That's a good a line. John yeah. Luthcow impression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barney, because if you're going to be some lame suburban dad, why couldn't you have been that for me? Which is a good other But really he says it in his, like, moment. yelly voice, and it's just, like, you can... Feel the hurt like radiating. Yeah, off of really him with well it. delivered. A nice, nice, good bit of business from from NPH. Yeah, which I mean, this is that's, has got to be confusing for Barney. You know, he spent his whole life thinking, yeah, or not knowing who his dad was, then to find out, like, okay, it was this guy, but he was busy living this like rock star like life. So, but then to find out, it yeah, probably just, did take him a while to sort of fix himself. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So if the daughter's in college at most, she's... Let's call her, eight, let's call her 18, because when we meet her later, she doesn't seem very much older than 18. Okay. And Barney's 35 at this point, maybe? Somewhere along the way? Yeah, yeah so I mean, so, there might have yeah. been a good decade in there where Jerry was getting his life together and then yeah. finally met Cheryl. Yeah, I just wish then that they wouldn't have, like... I think the rock bottom thing just throws it for me. Because to me, like, rock bottom means, like, okay, now I've hit this. Now I need to do better. Well, certainly it, it sent him on a different path. So 
or Lane. Get it? <laughs> um, but Jerry wants to fix this if if Barney can tell him how. But in the meantime, he tells Barney that he's never going to get that basketball hoop off like that. So he hands him a screwdriver, and Barney just starts <laughs> like banging, laughing at it. <laughs> Barney just starts banging the backboard with the handle end, <laughs> as if it's going to, you know, unjar it loose. It's like reverse hammering it or something. I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish. Right. So Jerry talks him through taking it down. And then Jerry lets him have the hoop. And Mm -hmm. Barney just leaves at that point. Yeah. And Jerry says, like, I'd love to be part of your life if you're ready. Or whenever you're ready. Did not much of an end. They were back at Ted's house. Barney gives Ted the hoop to put outside his house. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah, it would have been nice if there was a little bit of a circle back to him being like, and that's, you know, the basketball hoop that we still have. Now, Jen can't find where she put her cheat sheet for the ranking. So do you have any just sort of range guess? <laughs> um, you probably threw them away. Uh, let's not get... I'm sure I didn't, because I... That wouldn't make any sense for me to throw them away, but do you have, like, sort of a guess at a range? Um, 85 to 95. Really close. It's 97. Okay. What's your favorite joke? <laughs> the possum stuff. Okay. Mine, um... As I, it's not actually a joke. Mine is when Marshall says, no, Barney, I'll never talk to my mm. dad again. So that was my favorite line. Yeah. My least favorite is the Barney's only tool being his penis, and he's not going to stick that into the TV again. Do you have a least favorite? Um, my least favorite was all of the references to Lily not being able to aim, because they were all ridiculous. Oh, you're so wrong. Okay, let's move on. We have a new emailer. Yay! He goes by Albert Fox, and he writes... Don't like it when the emails are long. Really bogs down the episode. Worst joke, Barney not knowing if his dad was Louis the, Louise the Handyman. Best joke of all, best joke, all of Louise's bad aim scenes and the call back to the bathroom being a mess because she can't aim. Not Marshall. Wow, short, sweet, and to the point. I like this, Albert Fox. <laughs> I appreciate your succinctness, but you're wrong about that joke. Don't insult our listeners, Jen. <laughs> All right. Sam McManus. Hey, Runkle. Sam here again. I found it hilarious that it took you this long to ask if I was a girl. I'm not, but it was funny. And actually, side note, um, I did notice when I look back at Sam's other emails that there's actually a picture of him, like, at the corner of the email. For oh, some really? Yeah. Which, and he's a guy. I just forgot it the last time we were reading one of his emails. Okay. He continues. Anyway, this email is about Legend Daddy. I'm a sucker for emotional Barney stories, like when he wins all the stuff from Marshall and Lily and decides not to tell Bob Barker that he's his son. Hits me hard. This one does too, as Barney is really just looking for a father figure when he never really had one. When he's at the dinner table and finds out what J.J. stands for, I just felt so deeply for him. The scene with the basketball hoop is just so poignant, I almost cried, even though I've seen it a dozen or more times. It's still funny in places, but those moments are the best. I know this isn't in your top 100, Steve, but I'm curious where it fits for you. Jen? Well, it is in my top 100. Yeah, look at that. Jen's much further back. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't do the rankings. Best funny parts for me were the most of the lapses, particularly Ted's Chameleon. His class all shaking their heads, no, as priceless Robin's North Pole diatribe is hilarious, too. The way she says it, as well. But I digress. I like the episode a lot for the emotional nature of it, but the funny side of the funny side story of lapses too. See, Jen. Although he didn't mention Lily, but <laughs> worst joke is Barney's Vietnamese shame wheel. Tell me you don't like that one. Yeah. I don't. We didn't even bother to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> Close second is Lily's throwing laughs. Oh no, he didn't like that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Sam. It's not really a lapse, is it? The keys? Seriously? I guess there wasn't much heavy lifting for him to do in this episode. The exploding meatball sub is next. I'm looking forward to the commentary on it. Expelliarmus. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Nice to hear from you again. Boy, yeah. Sam. <laughs> he, Sam. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to exploding meatball sub, too. That has some good stuff in it. All right. Felix. Hello from Sweden. Oh, uh, Ted is the worst character in TV show history is his title. (laughs) Hello from Sweden. Sorry that I have not wrote in. I have been busy moving out from my parents' house for the first time. Yay, congratulations. I hope you're not in your 40s, (laughs) Felix. Season 6, episode 18. This episode was not very good. I'm not sure if Ted forgot that Rob... Oh, this is for last week's episode. Or the last one we we posted. Uh, What was it? Hard... Nora... um, Oh, I might forget the name of it. Anyways. I'm not sure if Ted forgot that Robin has multiple dogs before. The one rule was funny. Nora taking care of Barney was funny, but also very weird. The Scooby plotline was bizarre. Nobody is that gullible. Barney is right. You can't just come out and say what you want on a second date. When they said the dog things to Scooby, most of the jokes were pretty lame and unfunny. The funniest part was Barney's blackmailing everyone. Didn't they meet Barney at the bar? So why did Marshall say the strip club? Yeah, I had the same question. Yeah, that was weird. Did the writers forget? And Barney's heart skipping a beat was very cute. Good jokes. If you weren't so much stronger than me, I would slap you. Bad joke. I think we've all noticed a few curious mannerisms, or rather, dogarisms. All right. And for this week's episode, he writes, This episode was quite moving. It was touching to see Barney's disappointment upon discovering that his father isn't the person he had hoped for. His decision to walk away when his father introduces his family was a powerful moment. The group's encouragement and support for Barney was heartwarming. The revelation that Barney's son, J.J., was named about his father added an extra emotional layer to the story. The scene between MPH and John Lithgow was one of the most memorable moments in Himium. Best line. Barney says, this is mine. Jerry, I don't understand. Barney, J.J. gets a childhood, a dad, a real family, and a basketball hoop. No, no, I I at least get the hoop. I'm taking it with me. And he finishes it all the way through the lean suburban dad thing. Yeah. All right. Three questions. What's our favorite Christmas movie? He writes that his is Home Alone 2. Oh. You and Tyler all get along. Although his is three. <laughs> um, Which is insanity. It's but. so bad. Hopefully you don't like that one too, Felix. Um, I'd say mine is probably Love Actually. Well, that's a good one. I, think, I didn't watch it this year. I think Home Alone 1's mine. Yeah, I mean, that that was my first thought, too, but I think I was kind of biased because he said the Home Alone, too. I think Elf is a close second. Yeah, Elf's really good. But Home Alone was from, what year did that come out? I think I was, I was a teenager when Home Alone came out, I think. Yeah, because I think I'm right around the same age as Macaulay Culkin. So it has the so advantage of been, me having sort of... Um, probably early 90s, late 80s. 
me feeling a little nostalgic about it mm-hmm. adds into it. Question two is, what's your favorite DC movie? His is Dark Knight. Yeah, that's Same. me. And finally, do you guys have any tips for me now that I have moved out? Ooh. Um, so I, I wonder, it, is it tips getting ready to move and how to move? Or is it now that he's moved? How to exist in the world on your own? Right. I guess that's what he means, because I think he said he has moved out, right? Yeah. Um, I guess it depends. Like, you know, do you live with roommates? Do you live on your own? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. I, I When I moved out of my mom's house at, I think I was 22, 23... Um, I, I lived by myself, which was a godsend. I, I loved living <laughs> by myself. Um, you know, I, I would. I don't, know, I don't know how many tips I have. I, I bought used furniture that was always easier to to load up my house with with decent stuff. Is to you know find and that's easier to do these days online than it was in my time. I had to go to like mm-hmm. a used furniture shop. Yeah. Try I- try and try and. Be a guy that has a bed frame as soon as you can to separate <laughs> yourself from all those guys that don't have bed frames. Oh, I wonder. Is that still a thing? Oh, I'm sure it is. Absolutely. Hmm. I, went a long, I went a long time. Oh, you were one of those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh. I, don't, I don't think I had a bed frame until I moved in with my first wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you know, on theme with this episode, I would say, like, you know, have a toolbox and know how to use it. <laughs> Just some basic stuff. I find recipes with rice and pasta and make big meals and then have them for leftovers as the course of the week goes by. Yes. That, that always got me through long weeks. Yeah, now I'm just wondering. I was like, do you have to lock your door where you live? <laughs> that would be my lock your doors, lock your windows, but... That's because I listen to too much true crime. These are these I are always also, have toilet paper. Yeah, these are also <laughs> basic. I mean, I, I don't think we're we're dropping any huge pearls of wisdom here. No, I mean, and I only lived by myself for what, like, a year and a half, maybe two years. Yeah, and I loved living by myself. That was I, I was never wanting for a roommate or for yeah, a work no, company. No, I never wanted a roommate. <laughs> I do remember that my mind. when I first. <laughs> live by myself, I would buy like three loaves of bread and put two in the freezer. And that way I, I wouldn't have to go back to the grocery stores often for something, some, you know. And oh, you had, that's so funny. You have that and then you have peanut butter. You got a, a meal for a long time if you really need it. That's funny because I forgot, like, yeah, you've been doing this shopping for so long, like doing it weekly. I forgot, like, yeah, I would go like once a month and buy like everything. <laughs> and I have to trudge it all up those stairs. Right. Yeah, depending on how easy it is to get groceries in and out will dictate your strategy of how often you want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Well, we, I don't think, are super helpful, but best of luck in your new place. All right, folks. Me and Winky over here are going to sign off. So until next week, the Exploding Meatball Sub, we will uh, try and get that out much quicker than this last one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.